Miracy. Once upon a time, before the creation of man, God gathered all the human feelings and qualities, all the virtues and vices, into a certain place on earth and told them to wait for the creation of man. Time passed, and when boredom had yawned for the third time, madness, as mad as ever, proposed to them, let's play something, let's play hide and seek. Unable to hold back, curiosity asked, hide and seek, is it a game? Madness explained, it's easy, I'll count to one million, while you and the others hide, and when I finish counting, the first one I have found will take my place, and so the game goes on. Wonderful, shouted enthusiasm, euphoria, and excitement. They were so happy that even doubt was persuaded. But not everyone wanted to take part. Truth preferred not to hide. Why should I, when in the long run I'll be found out? And arrogance judged it to be a very childish and silly game. But what really disturbed her was that it was not her idea. And so they started the game. One, two, three. Madness began to count. Hi, I'm Lisa Bloom, the story coach, and you're listening to Once Upon a Business. In each episode, we explore a story, a fairy tale, folk tale, or traditional story, so that we can discover the amazing lessons relevant for business and for entrepreneurs. In the game of hide and seek, tenderness hung on the horn of the moon. Lai said he would hide at the bottom of the lake, but he lied and hid behind the rainbow. Faith rose to heaven, and envy hid in the shadow of triumph, who by his own forces reached the crown of the highest tree. Generosity nearly didn't manage to hide, for each place she found seemed more suitable for one of her friends. A crystal lake, the ideal place for beauty. Perhaps a crack in a tree, a perfect place for shyness, and a gust of wind, a magnificent place for liberty. Finally, generosity hid in a sunray. Egotism, on the other hand, found a very convenient place right at the beginning, good ventilation, cozy, but only for himself. And passion and desire hid in the center of a volcano. When madness reached 999,999, love had not yet found a place to hide. This should be no surprise, for we all know how difficult it is to hide love. She was so preoccupied until she saw a beautiful rose bush. Deeply touched, she hid between the blossoms. One million, Madness shouted. I'm coming, I'm coming. As he turned, the first one he saw was laziness, thrown to his feet because he didn't have any energy to hide. Then he found Doubt, who was sitting on a fence, unable to decide where to hide. After that, Faith was heard discussing theology with God and passion and desire were found because they made the volcano erupt. And so he found them all, fear in a dark cave, and lie behind the rainbow, still lying that he was really at the bottom of a lake. Only love couldn't be found in any place. Madness searched for her everywhere but couldn't find her, and when he was about to give up, when desperation said that madness will never find love, Envy, who was envious of love, whispered to Madness, Love is hiding in the rosebush. Madness saw the rosebush and the blossom. He took a wooden pitchfork and stabbed at the rosebush and stabbed and stabbed till a heartbreaking shout made him stop. 
and after the shout, love came out, covering her face with her hands. From between her fingers, out of her eyes, ran two threads of blood, red as the roses. Anxious to find love, madness had taken out love's eyes with the pitchfork. What have I done? What have I done? Madness shouted. How can I repair it? He cried and begged for her forgiveness. Hearing the commotion, God came back to that place and saw what had happened. How can I repair it? asked Madness. And God answered, You cannot restore her eyes, but you can stay with her as her guide. And so it came about that from that day on, love is blind and always accompanied by Madness. So this is one of the most popular stories I've ever told. I first heard it when a friend of mine had traveled to her brother's wedding. Her brother's best man had read this story at the wedding to everyone's delight. And I love the story and I've told it many times since. It's a great crowd pleaser and at the same time can dive quite a bit deeper. So on the surface level, it's a clever story. Play on words and their actions and it's lots of fun. As each of the feelings and human qualities show up, we're almost surprised and then delighted by the action they take, which is the perfect enactment of who they are. They try to hide and each and every one has a typical reaction to the game and then finds the perfect hiding place. It feels obvious and somehow really satisfactory. And that's what's so delightful. So curiosity asks, of course, what is the game? And enthusiasm, euphoria and excitement are thrilled to play. And then their hiding places are so perfect. Lai said he'd hide at the bottom of the lake, but he lied and hid behind the rainbow. Faith rose to heaven, and envy hid in the shadow of triumph, who by his own forces reached the crown of the highest tree. I just love that. It just seems so typical that each of the qualities finds the perfect place. It's striking to me that the feelings and qualities can be nothing but themselves. And it teaches a great lesson that our actions are really the perfect representation of who we are. So actually, we really can't hide. I'd love to believe that how we show up in business can only be successful if we don't hide who we really are. And it certainly speaks to the belief that I have that authenticity is a powerful business driver, more so now than ever. People want to work with ethical, honest, and values-based businesses, so you have to be who you truly are in order to be successful. I think it's also interesting that there's a balance between the feelings, those that would be considered positive and those that are thought to be negative. And again, they're all in character. So ultimately, it's Envy, who, envious of love, gives away her hiding place to madness. I love that we see all the traits and characters of humanity in their full glory, doing what they do, being so thoroughly human. It's almost this tender, humorous nod to all sides of human behavior. We can't always be good nor bad. We are this beautiful mix of qualities interacting with each other and reaching this imperfect end. It speaks to how we need to show up in our business too, to acknowledge our strengths and weaknesses, our abilities, and what we need to learn. So that as we develop in our expertise, we're always growing and learning, always balancing who we are and what we do with all that we need to become. I love that in the story, God gathers all the qualities together as if they were almost beyond his creation and then put them in a certain place to await man. And then is called again at the end of the story when madness does this evil deed and blinds love. 
And God tells Madness, you cannot restore her eyes, but you must stay with her as her guide. So this is justice. We need to be accountable for our mistakes. We have to pay the price for our imperfections. And so it is in business. We all make mistakes, and they may be costly, but that's the price of learning and growing. And we're able to move forward when we are accountable to ourselves, to the work as well, and to those that we serve. At the end of the story, love is blind and always accompanied by madness. This feels to me a little bit like the story of the entrepreneur. We can be blinded by our passion. We can be blinded by our drive, perhaps by the very love we have for the work we do. And that can be perceived as madness to ourselves and, and others. Perhaps this is the most important lesson of the story, that as we drive forward with our passion, our unending ideas and initiatives, we can become blind and be led by madness. And it's a high price to pay for being insatiable or for not being patient enough. Perhaps the lesson here is that our business is a big game that we can play and enjoy, but not take so seriously that we end up becoming blind and mad. Instead, to lean into our qualities and our feelings, to see them truly for who they are, to see ourselves for who we are, to allow love to lead us but not become blinded by the madness that she attracts. So I think there's a kind of madness that happens when we pursue an idea or a particular product or service and we're adamant that it's going to work, you know, if we just keep trying, if we just keep pushing through. And there's a kind of madness in that, that we are so attached and so committed to this moment of passion or this idea, this love of the thing that we've created, that we're not willing to see the reality of its failings. We're not willing to see the place that perhaps it needs to change or it needs to be let go of. And so I think as an entrepreneur, it's really, really important to accept that not everything is going to work, that not everything is going to be successful. And we need to be open, almost like the qualities in the story, we need to be open to the positive and the negative, and then make an assessment based on the reality of what's actually in front of us, rather than our passion and our vision and our imaginings of what could be. So in the story and in reality, there are consequences for being who you really are, as Madness discovered, not always good consequences. And as a business owner, if your niche is nonprofit or really small, so you may never make much money, but if you chase profit because you think you should, or because you're trying to live someone else's idea of who you are and what your business should be, you'll never be fulfilled, you'll never be happy. I've seen this again and again where people have made career choices or even business choices that are aligned with other people's expectations and it never ends well. So in the story, love ends up blind and madness has to live with what he did. But there are worse outcomes than spending your life arm in arm with love, I would suggest. I've seen numerous examples of people who have left corporate jobs or left small businesses where they have worked themselves to illness, to burnout, to a situation where they just had lost a sense of why they were doing what they were doing anymore and spent some time figuring out who they really are and what they want to do in the world and ultimately reinvented themselves into something new. Oftentimes, these are the people who become something in the helping area, something that has much more meaning of fulfillment 
and the transformation in their own lives is just enormous. Just about being able to suddenly articulate their values and live them through the work that they do and the sense that they're doing meaningful work and they're making change in the world. It's a beautiful thing to see. I'm Lisa Bloom, and you've been listening to Once Upon a Business. You can find out more about me at story-coach.com. That's story-coach.com. Once Upon a Business is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes shows such as Making It and Course Lab. This episode of Once Upon a Business was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Inney is our executive producer. So you don't miss the episodes that are coming up on Once Upon a Business. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. You know, growing up in Ireland, we used to go to see Maureen Potter and the end of year Christmas special in the Gaiety Theatre. And at the end of every show, she was renowned for saying, if you like the show, tell your friends. And if you didn't, keep your breath to cool your porridge. So if you like this show, please leave us a starred review. It really does help us out. Thank you. We'll see you next time.